What's up, everybody? Welcome to IGN GameScoop. I'm your host, Damon Hadfield. Joining me this week are Sam Claiborne. Hey! Justin Davis. Scoop. And sitting in for Tina Amini this week will be Mark Medina. One day, me and Tina will be on an episode together, but today is not that day. <laughs> Maybe, Maybe next better. week. Maybe next week, so I think Justin will be on vacation. So. <laughs> All right. We'll see. We'll see. It's uh, spring break. Spring break. <laughs> Heading down to Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a great show for this week. We're going to talk about the Ghosts of Tsushima movie that was just revealed today. We're going to perform a little thought experiment and imagine what if Sega were still making consoles today? What if... Hey, that's, that's my second favorite kind of experiment. What's your first favorite? It's the normal experiment. Just a, a regular-ass experiment. It's the typical one. Testing? What, what's, what's the process? You come up with a hypothesis and then you test it? Or do you collect data first? I forget what the actual order is. Yeah, well, we don't like yeah. the social experiments. Those are a little mm. scary. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. That's my, yeah. <laughs> but first, uh, the, uh, every two or three weeks is a new rumor, it seems, about a, a, a Nintendo Switch Pro. The latest uh, round of rumors comes from a report from Bloomberg that claims uh, the Nintendo Switch Pro will reportedly use an upgraded NVIDIA chip. It offers better graphics and processing. It's going to support NVIDIA's DLSS rendering, which is Deep Learning Super Sampling, uh, which is basically fancy upscaling. And this Switch Pro could be released this holiday, 2021. However, analysts expect it to come in with a higher price, $50 to $100 more, to put Ooh. it between $350 and $400. Um, so let's imagine that, this, uh, that these uh, reports are true for a second. Is, okay. is, is this enough? This, if it's using this fancy NVIDIA chip, which is already on the GeForce RTX 20 and 30 cards, I believe, this will be the first time it's available on consoles. Uh, deep, learn, deep learning super sampling would basically mm -hmm. take games that aren't in 4K, they, say they're 1080p, and it makes them look as if they are. Uh, it's fan, like I said, fancy upscaling. So is that, is that enough to keep the Switch relevant uh, when it, you know, is being compared to next-gen consoles, PS5 and Xbox Series X. Well, I don't like yeah, how you first. Frame, I don't like how oh. you frame the question, David. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> I mean, because okay. the Switch is already relevant against, against the next-gen consoles. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, However, it it cannot hold. It's yeah. like graphically, sure. it's nowhere yeah. near. Well, this will this put it in the same football field as the uh, PlayStation I mean, 5. The, the intention of Nintendo when they do this, like the DSi, for instance, is is to make sure, or the Game Boy SP, is to make sure that people can play the games they already own and they don't have to do a bunch of work to, to upgrade those and that you know people can buy things off the store shelf if those ever exist again. Yeah. But also... <laughs> Have a little bit of a, a step step towards you know looking cleaner and nicer on their big you know televisions now they all 4K TVs like that's like that's all yeah. they're just walking that line it's so safe it's just like and they know they're gonna have like a core group of people that are like yes I will buy everything new Nintendo I want Breath of the Wild two to look amazing but then mm -hmm. there's plenty of people who are just like can you just make sure my kids games still play on the system like I mean 2DS. Yeah, it, it really depends on, is it a DSi? Which actually was very slightly, very marginally more powerful than the DS. Mm. Um, or is it like a, is it like an uh, Xbox One X? You know, like, yeah. is this a Switch Pro? Or, mm -hmm. you know, until we get, until we know exactly what the NVIDIA guts are inside this thing, like, it's a little bit hard to say. Um, What's the most backwards thing about what you said? It's that they said it's going to be more expensive. Every mm -hmm. single thing that you just talked about should be about adapting to newer, more standardized, more available parts 
that helps Nintendo make more systems because they can't just well, keep on going back to those screens and the processors from like five yeah. years ago. Those become like those should become cheaper over time, but they also become obsolete. And, you know, you have to like basically keep making them, even though yeah. everybody else is using a different chip. So like, it should I, be more popular stuff should be, you know, at least the same level, not more expensive. I'm, I, I love my Switch. It's probably, well, it's not my most played home console anymore, uh, but I play it. Uh, I love it. But, and, but, but a $400 Switch? Mm-hmm. Especially I when that's, you, you can get a PlayStation your 5 for that one. price. You can, get a PlayStation, you can get a PlayStation 5 for that price, and it's not <laughs> yeah, exactly. even like it's not even like a janky one like the Xbox. <laughs> I, it's I, like, think, I think the weird thing about it is when Xbox One X, or like when Xbox One came out, of course it was bundled with Kinect, but it was 500. So then when the One X came out, it was 500. Mm-hmm. Same with PS4. PS4 was 400. Then when PS4 Pro came out, it was 400. It's tough because Switch hasn't had a price drop. Never had so a price drop. So the only thing for them to do is to make it more expensive. But, no, but Well, they I, could drop the price of their other models mm-hmm. right now and put yep. this out for the regular one. I think that's, I think, that's I what think they the, would do. That's I think the problem do. with that is, is, is exactly what Justin said, which is, it, like, does this make the Switch, like, more relevant i don't think that's a problem at all the switch is the number i uh, it's hard to find series x and ps5s right now but the switch is like dominating the charts every month they're not having any problem selling switches so i think if they're going to be like hey we're going to make a more expensive one and and it's going to be better i i think they're just like i think they're uh, just okay with that because they know people are just going to buy it yeah so you think they're targeting the nintendo core fans they're like these suckers will buy our more expensive system yeah. I, it's tough because with the switch, the switch was like, <laughs> yeah, I will. yeah, exactly. It's like, it's like the normal switch was like a- always worse than like a PS4 and Xbox one. So now this is just going to be a, a worse PS5 X, but like people don't care. People are still playing doom and in at 540 P like they, they just don't care. I mean, they, they you know, love switch for what it is. That may be why I didn't, Give this in one ounce of thought before we sat down to record the show, but it may be why they're keeping Zelda under wraps. Like maybe mm-hmm. there's going to be yeah. like maybe Zelda runs in 4K on the new Switch, but then you can still play it on the old Switch and play it well, in you know do, 1080p. Do Zelda's ever not span two consoles now? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it yeah. sounds like the series that spans two consoles. It's so funny. It's always on two. So I think um, if I were a betting man, uh, first of all, first of all, we don't even you know. You say if this that is... every week. When are you I... going to become this betting man? You keep drinking. <laughs> yeah, no. When are you going to transition over? Um, <laughs> yeah, this is why I'm actually not allowed to gamble in real life anymore. Um, <laughs> no, no one to hold them. Um, yeah, you're right. That, that I do use that phrase a lot. But like, we don't we don't know that this is real. Like, there's a lot mm-hmm. of like sort of sure. smoke, and there's so much smoke now that like we have to believe there's fire. But like, it's possible that there is no switch pro. If it exists, I think it's probably a significant step up. The Switch came out over three and a half years ago. It'll be almost four years ago by the time... Um, it is four years ago right now, right? Because it was 2017? Uh, correct. 2017, I'm, yeah. I'm off by a whole year, so it'll be four and a half years when, when the Switch yeah. Pro drops. So I don't think it's a DSi. I think it's probably a significant half generation up. And I think it probably has a bigger, nicer screen and probably runs games in 4K. And then... um. And then I think that's the differentiator is the resolution. Like you can play these games in 720p or 1080p on your Switch or in 1440p or 4K on your Switch Pro. And like that makes sense. That's like easy to message. Um, and uh, and yeah, I mean, I won't like it, but I will I will buy it. 
So I'm going to run the, you through a thought exercise then, because that's what I want. I, w- <laughs> I would actually like that. Like, I would like, I, w- I want my Switch games to look as good as they can, because I think Nintendo's artists are my favorite in the industry, and I'd like to see their games look the best they can. So what I like to do with Nintendo to predict the future is go with the thing that I want, and then they absolutely won't do that. <laughs> and, and they'll usually do the opposite. So it, what? That, that's that's what I like to run here. So if I really want them to release something that's going to make Breath of the Wild 2 look so cool on contemporary televisions, like they're not going to do that. They're, they're going to like weld the controllers to the side like they've already done and like, you know, take out the battery or something. Like or that. or it'll be um, it'll be a home switch only. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the opposite of a switch with the light. same power. Yeah. Well, yeah. So just like a switch light, well, <laughs> a switch that doesn't switch. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well. Okay. Okay. But hold on. If they didn't have to put a battery in it anymore, mm-hmm. and if it didn't have to have a screen, mm-hmm. they could probably make a really, really powerful switch box that doesn't cost a load of money. Mm-hmm. And it, but it just wouldn't switch. Yeah. Yeah. What if the thing you buy is the uh, the the controllers and those plug into your television? <laughs> if you want, you can get a spare screen to take with you on the go. There you go. So they're okay. just going to piecemeal the switch out. Got it. Well, okay. I mean that's that's Nintendo now, right? They're like, let's yeah. take yeah. all these parts and take them apart and reattach them. We put some controllers on the side, but you can reattach them. Mm-hmm. I, I I'm kind of with Justin on the whole Zelda thing because I, I remember in 2017 when the Switch did come out and it was like. It was that and one two switch. It was like a handful of games. She had a typical launch. And I remember so many people being like, the switch is amazing. I love Breath of the Wild. Yeah. And I was like, I, I remember I couldn't get a grasp on how like good the actual switch was because everybody was just enamored by Breath of the Wild. Mm-hmm. That I'm like, but if Breath of the Wild was on PS4, would we just play it there? Like, or it, it, you have to play it on the switch. So that's no. why you love the switch. And so it makes me wonder like if it's gonna be like, hey. Breath of the Wild 2, it's amazing, it looks great, and you can only play it on the new Nintendo Switch, and that's their, like, Trojan horse to get the new Nintendo Switch out there, so you can get rid of the old one. Well, it'll definitely not be an exclusive. But you think it'll run for both? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're well, not going to burn well, they'll, everyone's they'll spot show the, on the Switch They'll show, the, they'll show the, the pretty versions. That'll be, yeah. It'll be like Miles Morales. Miles Morales, in most people's minds, are is a PS5 game, right. even though we all know that that's also a PS4 game. Or they could do the Wii U thing where they make us all buy it again in HD. Yeah. Uh, it is worth noting, according to Bloomberg sources, this uh, DLSS requires custom code for software, meaning it will more likely be used to create better looking new games rather than mm-hmm. upgrade existing ones. So I don't think Witcher 3 on Switch is, if on the Switch Pro is going to look like it does on a, a PS4 Pro, you know. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's also interesting to think like... Uh, we think the, the the Switch is comfortably in the middle of its lifespan, four years in. If this were the NES, four years in, it would be 1990. The Super Nintendo would already be out in Japan and be out the next year in North America. I was thinking that, too. Like, the Switch being four years old is really tripping me up. It tripped me up earlier this show. Like, I still think about it as a fairly new thing. Like, this device mm-hmm. has a lot of potential, and, like, it's really cool. But I'm like, damn, like, we're getting close i mean maybe not if there's a switch pro maybe we do have four more years of switch coming but like we're probably getting pretty close to like a new nintendo console and like that's so exciting i love nintendo and it's doubly exciting because they always knock our socks off with something weird and strange and even when it's bad like the wii u like at least they're out there swinging you know like they're swinging for the fences every single time they've been doing it 
every single console since the Wii. Um, mm. they're, they're insane. They're an insane company that makes insane hardware. And like the idea that like within the next, hopefully three, four years, like we'll get some new crazy piece of hardware from Nintendo is really exciting to me. Yeah. You know, the, uh, the switch being four years old, the, one of the reasons that it seems weird is that 2020 was the switch's year. You know, Animal yeah. Crossing and the pandemic made the Switch the thing. And that happened mm-hmm. later in the life, life cycle than other Nintendo systems, which were big hits, right? Yeah. So that might actually change Nintendo's calculation about, like, what they have here on their hands. They have this, this thing in their hands that everybody understands right now, that everybody has the ability to buy software for. If I were Nintendo, I'd be focusing, like, on software like crazy yeah. right now and yeah. getting that into households with all these switches. Like, that's the point of a console is to get this co- software into people's houses. And that's what I'd want, too. But, again, that's also what I want. So Nintendo's <laughs> almost certainly not doing that. They're going to do the exact opposite. Yeah, I mean, you know, like, Nintendo's playing their own game, so they're sort of unmoored from time and the console generations. Mm-hmm. We're like, when a PS5 is coming out, Xbox has to release a new Xbox. Like, they have to. Maybe not the same year, but certainly within the next 12 months, right? But, like, Nintendo can do whatever it wants. Like, if they want the Switch to exist for 10 years, like, eventually it's going to start to look old and feel old and people would be like, this tech is old and the screen looks bad. But like mm-hmm. when they're not competing with contemporary brand new tech anyway, like the switch can last for as long as they want it to. Like the Game Boy was around for a decade. Right. Yeah. But I don't know, man, the Wii, I've always thought of the yep. Wii as Nintendo's white flag of surrender, admitting yep. they, they cannot compete against Sony and Microsoft in terms of like high fidelity, the highest in AAA graphics. They just can't do it. So I don't know. It's, it's strange to think about them coming back again and trying to compete on, on that level. But Microsoft and Sony look at Nintendo and say like, we totally screwed up. They sold twice as many systems as us and spent a lot less money on each system yeah. and, sold, and sold probably three or four times as much hardware software. So, like you know, for on the on the Nintendo level, the, their surrender was like their biggest victory. That's true. That's true. I mean, mm-hmm. like uh, many many pundits, probably me included, if you go back and listen to shows from a decade ago, like the Wii was the most successful the gambling Ninten- pundit. The gambling That's pundit was. <laughs> Please, I don't want that to be a thing. Um, uh, the Wii was the most successful Nintendo had ever been in its history. It was a worldwide phenomenon. It sold 100 million plus consoles. And then Nintendo's willingness to throw it away, like to throw that brand away. And like, no, the Nintendo Switch is our thing now. So like, yeah. part of me wants to be like, no, the Switch is just Nintendo's brand. It's identity. They're going to have a Switch Pro and then a Switch 2 mm-hmm. and a Switch this and a Switch that. But like, like... Ooh. Like switch gonna, this would be a good name for the next console. Switch this. Switch. They're they're gonna throw it away, right? Like eventually, the Switch name will be sunsetted, and they'll replace it with something else and some right. new vision for what they want video games to be. And that's just so wild to me. Like their willingness to like throw away these mm-hmm. brands that they that were worldwide phenomenons and success. Yeah, yeah they threw yeah. away Game Boy. Like, yeah. why, why can't they just keep using Game Boy? It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It's I, like it's like throwing away iPhone. Like, would that ever happen? Yeah, like, we'll yeah. probably spend the next eighty years with iPhones. <laughs> and like, and the there, D- and phones the DS. aren't even relevant. The word phone isn't even relevant anymore. <laughs> it's so against the conventional wisdom of what any other company on earth would do. Yeah, I wonder I, if that's I, because of like corporate changes and like and and you know like some kind of you know vying for power and ownership within Nintendo. Like, we're never going to know those stories, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it is interesting to think, like, I mean, Gunpei Yokoi was, was Game Boy, 
and you know he died like i wonder if game boy went away because of that and then you know mm-hmm. port post um iwata like maybe we went away after that like it's hard yeah. to tell yeah gunplay yokoi didn't already didn't work at nintendo though when he when he you know tragically yeah, passed he, away i think he was is he just post the virtual boy then yeah, I think so. Yes, Virtual Boy didn't work out, and then he was not at Nintendo anymore. Yeah, and um, they did do the Game Boy Advance concurrently to that. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I can't know. really picture a world where I, 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 I'm with you guys on what you're saying. I also can't really picture a world where Nintendo's next several consoles aren't just hybrids. Like they seem to have like got this like magic i i don't know i i I, I can't really picture them giving it away but no i agree that the wii is one of the best selling consoles of all time but and like 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 every every every, you can go back to game scoop i'm positive we're like nintendo's a motion control company now that's what they are and that's what they do (laughs) but it's like motion controls kind of came and went and and they're kind of back now a little bit but not not too much but it's like you know everybody kind of had their hand in it with connect and playstation move and then that kind of went where it's like the idea of being able to you know play a game on the go that that's i don't see that as a trend i see that as like just the new way people want to be able to play games is being able to have it everywhere and so where nintendo would want to evolve and kind of move away from what could be seen as a trend instead they're like i i just have hope that they're like we finally found the thing that will keep our console relevant and it's the fact that you can take it anywhere my my idea on why i think that they would make it a little bit stronger is because it seemed like at first they didn't really care so much about third-party support but now there's these long droughts where there's no games coming out and you're seeing like ea put all their games on switch i'm wondering if they're starting to care a little bit more about third-party support and then you see something like apex come on switch and it's like it's fine but it could be much much better uh yeah i'm wondering if there's a directional shift there you know what Nintendo hasn't done in a little while, which we should be expecting, because this is they always pull this out when we, all we want is a new Zelda game, is they haven't done a lifestyle or health thing in a little while. They did Wii Fit, the uh, Ring Fit, and yep. um, yeah. you know that I don't know if that was like as huge as they wanted it to be, but uh, you know it's like that Wii Fit Brain Age beat has been it's been a little yeah. bit lessened. Yeah, they're, you, they're could, have- you couldn't find those rings anywhere when they, they first came out. I think I think yeah. I think Ring Fit was a big hit. Um, mm-hmm. but maybe not like a brain age like level hit. Um, yeah, it did we're, sell out forever. We're definitely missing some kind of non-gamer heart monitor, you know, stair stepper. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Product. I think it sold out when the pandemic happened because I bought our yeah, right. and I just I just walked into a store and bought it, and then it was like a month later in March is when you just could not find them anymore. Mm-hmm. I, I really think it was a pandemic thing, yeah. and it worked. Everybody lost a lot of weight during the pandemic. <laughs> because of Rain Fit and exercising at home. We're all so skinny now. They have, they have Metopia coming to Switch, right? Mm. Yeah, Metopia is bad. Not quite the same thing. Dude, uh, that game is such a miserable experience. It's, it's so bad. It's 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 like the saddest Tamagotchi, like, make you wait for things crap game. Yep. Hate it. Accurate. We have an email from Curtis from Ottawa, Canada, that's relevant to our Nintendo discussion. And he wants to know, why does Nintendo hate kids? <laughs> he, he asks, What a interesting take. In playing a recent AAA title, I was surprised to see great accessibility options with voice to text for menu options, which got me thinking of my son. He's five going on six, loves to play video games, but he can't read. This makes many games inaccessible to him, but the worst offender is always Nintendo. They usually have the least amount of voice acting in their games, 
And when they do have some, it's usually not everywhere, which still means mom and dad need to sit with them to tell them what to do. Sure, eventually he understands how to proceed, but I don't understand what a horrible why, thing. why a family-friendly company like Nintendo doesn't include more voice acting and accessibility options for a young audience, especially one that they seem to be targeting. What's up with that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's a great uh, point. Jim, like my daughter, is, my daughter is a little bit older, but she was that age when she was playing Mario Odyssey. Like that game has so much text, like pages and pages and pages of text. Like your hat's telling you things, and Bowser's telling you <laughs> things, and like when you're an adult, like you don't think about it, right? Like you're just reading it and processing it. But I'm like, that, that game is not very friendly for younger audiences, and it's doubly weird because Nintendo bends over backwards to make their gameplay so accessible and yeah. friendly for younger audiences mm-hmm. like that game has a really modern uh, and clever take on um what do you call it like an assist mode like you can turn on blue arrows that like tell you exactly where to go and exactly what to do yeah and yet like you can't read we don't care about you get out of here <laughs> i i I, th- I think nintendo I, it makes me wonder if they if they if they just don't care or if it's they're stuck between a rock and a hard place because like their games the not talking is a charm. Like, wouldn't it be weird if Mario Odyssey 2 and Mario's like, hey guys, I gotta go on this. Like, people would be yeah. furious. Like, I remember there was like, what was it, like four or five years ago, there was this whole like, is it time for Link to talk? And everyone's yeah. like, Link better not talk. And, <laughs> you know, Animal Crossing, you're, yeah. you're, you know, that's my Animal Crossing impression. Like, that's what people want. And if all of a sudden the villagers was like, hey, how's it going? You should cut these trees. People would be furious at that. Yeah. but it, I think you're right. Like, the more it, time I, that passes. It, it, yeah, the longer they've gone on, it's like this charm that they really can't move away from. But the thing is, when it comes to, like, differently abled accessibility options, the Switch doesn't have anything. You can change the color of the screen. That's basically it. Where I was, I was playing, I was tweeting about this like a week ago. I started playing, uh, I was using them for the wrong reasons, but I was playing Last of Us 2 to try to get the Platinum Trophy. And you can go through the accessibility options and make it basically free. You can make it where all the collectibles highlight and you can just see them anywhere. Uh, you, you Ellie gets a move that's not in the game where if you push a button, it does like a pulse and shows you where everything is. And yeah. it's like, those are amazing, amazing options. Yeah. And you're just, you're never going to see stuff like that on Switch. Or like, not never. It's a shame that you don't see it on Switch. Yeah, in, well, their, de- in their defense, I th- I th- a lot of this accessibility stuff that we're seeing now in games is still fairly new. And mm-hmm. Nintendo's just always been a little bit behind the curve with, you know, sort of those sort of, sort of advancements. And like, their online infrastructure is still like generations behind Xbox and PlayStation, <laughs> right? So I'll say the serious stuff first and get to all my jokes. Okay, uh, so uh, for the accessibility portion of this, it that's a really, really important thing. And the way to get around that for dialogue and not having Link talk, it would be to have a storybook reading mode where somebody says, and then Link said this and this and this and this. And then the Goron said this and this and this and this. That is a way to get around, a, a, a actual a, provide actual meaningful accessibility for people that have trouble reading, people that can't read. And then that'd be really good for kids, right? You don't have to voice everything. You can just have the audio there of the text. So I Mm -hmm. I think that's an important uh, step that could be taken. Now, what is better than a a family-friendly thing to force parents to sit with their kids (laughs) and play the damn video games? That's family-friendly. So I agree with the 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 premise that they're not kid-friendly. 
That's true. That's They're true. The Absolutely most true. Family friendly company. But it's yeah. very family friendly to be like, you gotta sit with your kids and play these games. <laughs> yeah, I, I do agree that I the idea of sitting down and playing a game with my son doesn't sound all that terrible one Yet. of these days. Yeah. It's it's pretty terrible. It's pretty <laughs> terrible. <laughs> I had, I think I talked about it on the show a lot. Like I've been thinking my entire life about having kids and us bonding over video games together. It's, it's a little bit of a miserable experience for dad now that I'm actually living it. Um, they're really, really bad at games and um, kind of whine and are kind of mad when you know they die and lose. And um, you can say that about everything, not just games. They're really yeah. bad at it. They whine. They die easily. Yeah, that's kids, man. I, I, yeah, I can you're, you're I can not, relate because <laughs> when people play Mario sixty four in front of me, it's like watching a child play. Oh my and gosh. I just I just want to take the controller wow. from them. Oh they're so gosh. bad. Can we mute Mark? They're no, so bad. I don't. To clarify, that's what I, you, Oh my I, gosh! I don't feel superior. You know, it's just like I'm not like oh. I feel so bad at this. <laughs> I'm the best. <laughs> for me, it's more just like you know the game like. I, I think that I struggled alone with video games a lot. Like my memory, and it's hard to like, how well do you really remember being five and six? But like my memory of video games, is, like sitting alone in my basement and being frustrated and mad at the game by myself. Like that's yep. what I remember doing when I was a kid. Like, I now, never called my parents to help. I would yep. never have done that. They would have been like, yeah, you're doing what? Yeah. So now it brings out again. It's not that I'm like, huh, you're bad at this game. Ugh, shame on you. But it's more just like it turns my daughter into this version of her that I don't like, where she's kind of whiny and like, mm. you know, upset mm. and frustrated. And like, it's not great. It's not a great scene. And um, it really stresses me out to play games with her for that reason. And so, mm. um, but I also think it's because as a dad, I'm really excited to have her play Mario Odyssey and these other games. And it may just be a little bit too much at that age. We're like, she totally has fun playing like PBS games on her iPad and like that side of her doesn't come out. So, um, you know, I don't know. Well, Nintendo's clearly anti-dad as well then. <laughs> hey, you said it. Um, okay. Let's switch gears over to, uh, the world of PlayStation for a little bit. We, uh, just learned today, uh, Ghost of Tsushima is getting a film adaptation directed by um, Chad Stahelski. He is the director of the John Wick trilogy and the forthcoming forthcoming John Wick 4. Uh, So that seems to be like a pretty good fit to me, although maybe a little random. Uh, And I should also point out, I don't think filming in John Wick 4 has begun. So if this movie actually ends up getting made, I think it's a little bit of a ways off. but I really, I, I obviously loved Ghost of Tsushima, and I really, really like the John Wick movies. So that all, this all sounds like good news to me. Sam, I know you liked Ghost of Tsushima. I don't believe you've viewed any of the John Wick films. This no, is doing anything for you? John Wick films. Yeah. No, I, I, the thing I, I don't care about in most games, but especially in Ghost of Tsushima, is the, <laughs> the storytelling. Like, I, there, there is some cool side quest parts where it's like, oh, this is a more interesting story than the main story. So that worries me. But like, you know, setting things in feudal Japan that are beautiful, that can always be nice. I don't think they need to be inspired by video games necessarily to be successful, though. I wish we had more of them. So I'm happy that it exists because it'll be a cool thing shot in Japan. I'll point out the John Wick films have owned just the, the bare minimum of any kind of story. Yeah. And it's just an excuse <laughs> to get uh, John Wick into fight scenes. So, so this movie is going to be about shooting dogs is what it's going to be about. With arrows, maybe that's, you do a lot of that. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh. Um, yeah, <laughs> I mean, dogs. The, 
the star of ghosts and, and I didn't, I, I enjoyed it. I didn't like it the, as much as the rest of the scoop crew, but for me, the star of that game was uh, the fantastical environment and that Island. Um, and so to film it in live action, it's just going to immediately lose. Like, well, now we're in the real world. Now we're in a place that mm-hmm. actually exists on this earth. And like that instantly makes me less interested. It could be fantastically augmented, you know, like kind yeah. of a, a, yep. a cool magical realism thing. That'd be cool. I mean, or like, you know, obviously mm-hmm. like Lord of the Rings is incredible, right? And that was all filmed in New Zealand, but it transports you to Middle Earth and so on and so forth. So like movies have been doing that since the beginning of time. But like, I don't know, it, it's going to be a samurai revenge <clears throat> story, which like, mm-hmm. you know, okay, it's as good an idea for a movie as any. Yeah. I wonder if they'll yeah. film on the actual island of Tsushima. <sighs> Probably Los Angeles and Hawaii. It's going to be Hawaii for sure. (laughs) It's Uh, Sony just, man, they seem all in on the whole like mood. There's like a Twisted Metal and Last of Us and Uncharted and now Ghost of Tsushima. I I, got to be honest, I'm not really excited for any of the titles I just mentioned. Like, I and what if they're all in the same universe, Mark? I don't think, oh, well, (laughs) sure. I don't think I'd be excited for this one either. I don't know. I just. There's such well-told games that it. it Twisted Metal is what you're talking about specifically, right? Uh-huh. It, well, exactly. The narrative in Twisted Metal. How did he become an ice cream man with a fire head? <laughs> um, yeah, it, I, I read a story the other day, and it was like it was like uh, the Last of Us TV show is you know season one is the first game, and I'm like, I mean that game has been out since 2013. Like, I do I now need to watch a show? That's just that again. Like, I don't know. I'm just not interested in any of these, to be honest with you. Have you? I mean, there aren't, you know, there aren't all that many. There are very, very few good video game adaptations. Like, did you see Tomb Raider, mm-hmm. the, the most recent Tomb Raider? I did. It's yeah, fine. I saw it in theaters. Uh, I thought it was, I thought it was totally fine. I, I didn't think it was bad, but I, I thought it was fine. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know. I, I I remember I watched the Assassin's Creed movie. I thought that was not great. I I, I think the only I, the only thing that comes to mind when it comes to like video game stuff is like The Witcher. The Witcher was really good, mm. but mm. I'm not a fan of The Witcher games. Like I never played more than a few hours of Witcher three. So to me, that was just a TV show. So I, I think that's my problem is like being told the Last of Us story again with just new people is is a little strange maybe if i hadn't played the last of us i i think i'd be more excited there's definitely an element like you know really really story rich games that are lauded for their story like last of us it makes you wonder what the point of an adaptation is <laughs> it's like well how long is the last of us 12 hours is it going to be a 12 hour tv show like okay what are we doing here sure. <laughs> why are we so- doing this you, you know what i am excited for and i was talking with my friends about this is so amazon is making the fallout show and, and that kind of excites me because with Fallout, it, unless it's based on one of the games, which it's not going to be, they kind of can do whatever they want with that because it's just it's just post-apocalyptic stuck in the 50s, right? So, like, that's totally fine. I'm really excited for something like that. But, like, the fact that Ashley Johnson is Ellie and Troy Baker is Joel and now they're just these different people, but it's still Joel. It's still Ellie. I, I think I'd be more I, – I think I'd care more if it was Last of Us mm-hmm. universe and not just those characters. Sure. It could be. I, I'm just, I'm wondering aloud, like maybe HBO sees potential in that story reaching a wider audience you know, beyond mm-hmm. gamers, right? So like sure. a, lot of, a lot of people play games, but not everyone, but everyone watched Game of Thrones. So yeah. maybe everyone would like the story of The Last of Us, you know, or. Yeah. 
Well, to be clear, I, I understand why it's being made. I'm just saying I'm not that. They should make a. I hope they make a game based off it. Well, yeah, but that's kind of funny because like Ghost of Tsushima is obviously and heavily inspired by classic I samurai know. cinema, and now they're making a movie based on it. Just so yeah. it's a little bit like, and like you know, a lot of Japanese cinema is made in Japan by Japanese people which is also a, a, a problem with, you know, potentially this movie not having any involvement there. I mean, there's a lot of great classic movies yeah. you could turn to before going to see a video game based movie that's based on those movies. Like that's true. Mm -hmm. It seems a little silly. Uh, okay. Did you know there's a street fighter? Yeah. Two movie that a video game. game is based on yeah, the street, street fighter Two, the movie, the game. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's great. That. <laughs> is it great? I mean, it's great because of how terrible it, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Uh, let's check in with the listeners. Hey, listeners. Listeners, remember, you can always reach us at the email address. I was told to bring this back. Gamescoop at IGN.com. Just like JP from Cleveland did. JPland. He said, I wanted to ask the best podcast around, where do you think gaming would be if Sega had survived as a console manufacturer? I feel the Dreamcast is by far their best product and ahead of its time. Skies of Arcadia, Grandia 2, Sonic Adventure, Project Justice, Power Stone, Shinmu, so many great games. Do you think the video game industry would be healthier with a fourth choice or would it be too cluttered? Thanks for all the gems. You know, there are rift just opened in space time and we are getting a taste of what it would be like if Sega was still out there with a console making games because Balan Balan Wonderworld is coming out next week or in a couple of weeks. And that mm. game uh, is like a, tomorrow. Tomorrow? It was yeah. like a <laughs> horrific, a horrific Nights into Dreams style game. Yeah. Right on the edge of the uh, Dreamcast lifetime. Well Sega's <laughs> obviously still making games. They still make software. Yeah. Yeah. But as a I, I don't hardware, know. I've I've thought about it a bunch, like where another console would lie. It's like they, they all kind of, I feel like PlayStation and Xbox was already too close. And now they've kind of separated yeah. with it's, Xbox being more of a service yeah. versus PlayStation relying on their first party. And then obviously Nintendo fills its niche. So it's like, I really don't know That's what, where it's like, another. Yeah, it's just know. like what I was saying with the Wii. Like when you had the GameCube and the mm -hmm. Xbox and PlayStation 2, it was all too close. Nintendo just couldn't compete in that arena. So they were like, screw it. We're going to do something totally different. Yeah, it's great. Like Nintendo's cracked that nut, right? Yeah. Um, but then I can't imagine another console. I don't know like what would it be. Well, it's, like, it's, it's, it's iPhone. I mean, iPhone did that. That's yeah. the most recent thing where that happened. And, and so did Android, uh, but, which is just kind of, you know, aping that. But like, you know, things are breaking in. Like, I think that the, the streaming thing that Mark just said was really apt, like, if Netflix really wanted to disrupt the market and really wanted to, not, I'm not saying streaming games, like streaming games are, are bad, but uh, but a service-based, you know, subscription games and really build that out. Like that's, that's like something where Nintendo and Microsoft and they're just, you know, they're just getting that together now. And it's a really strong idea. Yeah. yeah I mean, you know, Sega, in my opinion, are at their best with uh, crazy, the crazy arcade era of Sega. Um, mm -hmm. you, you know, you brought up Virtual Cop yeah, last week yeah. on the show, which I hadn't crazy thought taxi. about. Yeah, Crazy Taxi, Power Stone, like all those Dreamcast, you game. know, the arcade at home was just an awesome, awesome time. Um, 
And but other than that, like their identity is really scattered, you know, kind of partially because the history of Sega is really split between the East and the West when mm-hmm. Sega of America was kind of in charge. And so they've always been kind of a uh, uh, scattered company without sort of a unifying identity or uh, sort of ethos behind what they did. Unlike, say, Nintendo, like even when mm-hmm. Nintendo's all over the place, at least there's, they seem to all be kind of driving toward the same destination in a way that Sega never was, in my opinion. You know what Sega did? is that they they hit up a teen audience with an a negative message that Nintendo was for for babies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yep. that was that it's an amazing but, moment, right? And it was it all came from Sega of America. America. Thomas yeah, Clancy exactly. and, and his team. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so the Sega of Japan that became Dreamcast and everything is just a completely different company, right? Yeah. And like I can absolutely see somebody coming in right now and saying like this is an adult system for adults and then 13-year-olds will love it. Like yeah. that's like that's like something that, that is not being done, but I think the first Xbox tried to do that a little bit. Yeah, you're right. And and, and didn't and didn't do great at it, but tried that. And I think there's always an edge in right now. Like every single E3 conference, quote unquote, right now from that I would predict for this year is going to be like a mix of like, you know, cool, violent games and like really family friendly fare. I have a, and that's just I, those companies. I have a hard time. Like the world is a different place in 2021. And I have a hard time seeing something that's like marketed as being for teens as coming across as anything except the most lame. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> right. And, and some of the, you know, I mean, teens today are awesome and different and, uh, you know, I, I don't think would accept uh, the kind of the there's the violent side and then there's the sex side of those like 90s then, games. Yeah, there's also the gross, the era, gross side, right? Like, yeah, extreme, like, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, I mean it's gross, just like like Boogerman, that, that sort of thing. Oh, the gross stuff. Yeah. yeah. Well, that would still appeal to kids. Yeah. So I think if you I think if you include the swears and the boogers, I think you could pick up a pretty big audience still. <laughs> The Sega Genesis is really the only really successful Sega console, and it's because of Sega of America. So mm-hmm. I don't know. It's hard to imagine uh, Sega surviving as a console manufacturer through t- three more generations after the um, Dreamcast. Maybe we I mean, should just start mm-hmm. a Sega of America. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, you could have, like, in this parallel universe, it's probably a parallel universe where Sega and Nintendo merged and joined forces to mm-hmm. take on you know, take on mm-hmm. Microsoft and Sony. Yeah. And then you have these, you know, Japanese dedicated game makers taking on the electronics giants. Mm-hmm. That's interesting to think about. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> this is Michael Charbonneau in Barry, Vermont. And he says, I finally finished reading Ready Player Two. I love the nostalgia overload. Got me thinking about video game Easter eggs. What are your favorite Easter eggs in gaming? My favorite is the Batman Arkham City one found in Arkham Asylum. Mm. Boy, Arkham gosh, Asylum is gosh, full gosh, of cool it. stuff like that. That's a really good example. It, yeah, it had the one big giant was, secret. We just talked about that, that, was, that on this show. That was yeah. that was one of the ones I was going to bring up. Is like <laughs> the Arkham games are cool because yeah, Arkham Asylum. They had this room that basically revealed Arkham City, and yeah. nobody knew it existed. Yeah. It, what? Is it Arkham Asylum or Arkham Knight, the one where you change your console's date and then Calendar Man? Yeah, we talked about that recently. I too. want to say that uh, was City. I think that was City. Okay, so the one I didn't mention. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he, has a, he has a cell in Arkham Asylum, like it's his jail mm. cell. So I think that's that's what yeah. it's like. You if, it's like you change the date on your console and, yeah. and like he changes his dialogue. 
Yeah. I don't know. I when I think of like I can't think of like specific Easter eggs that are like super cool. I think like Sasquatch and and Grand Theft Auto Five is cool because it's like answering the question of like was there ever Sasquatches in the game and they, they it's kind of like a joke mission. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I like they the never hidden... had a jetpack though, right? But the alien stuff never turned out to be true. No, no, it's all a rumor. No. Um, I like all the uh, I like the Chris Houlihan room and Zelda Link to the Past and the story behind yep. it is insane. Oh, that's mm-hmm. the fan. Yeah. Won a contest, yeah. right? Yeah, it's crazy. Yep. And then it's just in the game. It's canonical in, in there till the end of time. Mm-hmm. Mark, what are the best uh, Mario 64 Easter eggs? Uh, I don't think there are Easter eggs in that game. Of course, people will have Easter eggs. Uh, like, there's like the fake, like, yep. L is real stuff like that. But like, that's I mean, it's not an Easter egg. It's, a, it's like retroactively an Easter egg because people <laughs> thought it meant that Luigi was in the game. Yeah, it's yep. not though. So it's like, well, there's Yoshi, Yoshi at the end is is a good one. I mean, yeah, I it, it, it's like you always bridge this thing of, of, of like a secret versus an Easter egg. I, I guess that would be an Easter egg, you know, Yoshi being at the end, giving you a hundred lives when you've done everything in the game, you don't need them. So <laughs> yeah, I, I think of Mario and Zelda games as being the the essential Easter egg games, and that's because like from the very start, the Mario series has been about hiding stuff. And revealing it, uh, you know, and there's some really, really intensely hidden stuff. But when I think about mm-hmm. like my version of Easter eggs, what it means, the most meaningful game to me is absolutely Ocarina of Time. Mm-hmm. And a really good example that is the game is a lot of examples of this. But a really good example is the st- the seeing stones, the talking stones. Um, e- there's so many things you can just do with those. They're like a little nope. Easter egg interactive toy. Like you can, you know, of course people f- discover first that you can bomb them and they slowly blast off into the air. Mm-hmm. That's a really good example. There's a bunch for those. And then also another really good one in that game is uh, attacking the, the Kukos until they attack you. Like that was so crazy that that was in there. And then a- there's like hidden messages and stuff in it too. Like there's just all kinds of stuff in that game. The, uh, the second quest in Zelda 1. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. a good example. It's a pretty um, big reveal. Ooh, I'm looking. I'm cheating. I'm looking at an old IGN article on Easter eggs. Um, Psycho Mantis in Metal Gear Solid, where he yep. would read your memory mm-hmm. card. Oh, uh, playing Castlevania. Yeah, a Castlevania yep. fan. <laughs> um, John Romero's head in Doom or Doom Two. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a good one. I don't think I've ever seen that one. Uh, it's on top of like a spider, and you kill it or something. Cool. Like that. So it, it's grafted onto something. I think I don't recall. He's in some hidden room. It's basically in like a little closet. You can find his head. There, there's one for Gabe Newell as well, where he's like hidden in Half-Life One. It's like the Gaben room, and there's just a billion <laughs> pictures of his face. Uh, Portal built in a bunch of Easter eggs that ended up being uh, story reveals. Like you could yep. get behind the panels of a room, and then there's like somebody had been hiding out there, and there's like messages and stuff like that. But you can miss it. Yeah, you know? Ratman. So I really like that. Rat yeah, it, that, that's like. That's like environmental storytelling that you Mm. you really have to seek out. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's awesome. And then, then of course, there's Banjo-Kazooie, which built in Mm -hmm. Easter eggs for a uh, system that Nintendo would not allow them to uh, Mm -hmm. enact, which was the stop and swap. So they they built in like a view in the ice level, Freeze Easy Peak, where you could see the ice key through this grate. And and there is even a code entering mm. that you could do to, about the ice key and like all the stuff. But mm-hmm. the point was that you were supposed to be able to put in Banjo Kazooie one, take it out, put in Banjo Tooie really quickly. So I guess like it hangs in the in the RAM of the game, and mm-hmm. you'd be swapping it, and then you could you could transfer some stuff from that game. I think that was the basic idea of it. But Nintendo was like, no, you can't do that. Stop so, and swap, uh, so cool. 
so they just kind of sh- shoehorned them in the second game. But but for a long time, there was like this big secret with code entry and objects in the game. There's eggs in a bunch of different levels that were actual mm-hmm. Easter eggs. I should have mentioned that from the start. Really, really cool stuff. There's a few with a uh, few good ones with Squaresoft and Nintendo. The original Final Fantasy, you go to an elf town, and then there's a grave there. That if you yeah. investigate it, it says "Here lies Link." Yeah, hmm, no, good. It, it, no, it says uh, "Here li- in the original game. It says "Here lives the, the El- Elric," or uh, it's the name yeah. of the uh, a Dragon Quest person. In the Famicom version, yeah. the original Famicom version, it says "Here lies Link." But that was changed for the NES version, and then reinstated for like oh, the GBA cool. and PlayStation remakes. That's really funny. Yeah. And, and then also they have a cool uh, broom that talks to you that, that speaks backwards. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's actually a code for the game to reveal the game map, which is push yeah. slash push select. Yeah. It's like yeah. select plus a or something, right? Yep. Yeah. And, yeah. Matoya's Ma- cave. In Matoya's really cave, which is uh, the, the song that plays in Matoya's cave is one of the most like banging songs on the entire <laughs> yeah. NES. And it's it so plays cool. in, it's a total banger and it plays in a random cave at the far north of the map. It's insane. <laughs> it is a good one. Um, and in the original Dragon Quest quest on NES, there's several characters to ask you if you know someone named Nestor. Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. Which is pretty because Nestor was a character from Nintendo Power yeah. and they were pushing yeah. Dragon Quest pretty hard back in the day. Yeah. Didn't uh, work. And then the other one I, I wanted to mention is uh, Super Mario RPG. When you see a Link sleeping a in an inn. Uh, he's yeah. just sleeping, sleeping there. He's like, says, and so is Samus, I think, in some part. Samus is also sleeping. I think she says, "I'm resting up for Mother Brain," something yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. And I never mm-hmm. realized. I just played. What's that? Sorry, I was going to say I, I just played that a new game that just came out called uh, Maquette, and yeah. uh, there's a, a weird, like, off the path thing you can go to, and you you go to this place that you would never think to go to, and it's a doghouse, and it has all the developers' pets in there, like their Aww. actual pictures. Hmm. I only know about it because it was a trophy, but I thought it was cute. Another GTA one is a full-on Xenomorph frozen <laughs> under the ice in the beginning of the game. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. GTA. Oh, man. When you think of Easter eggs, like GTA and Fallout, like that, that's just... there's a, In GTA, you can swim to the bottom of the ocean. There's the Lost, like... Uh, you know, right. Thing from that there's, thing from well, Lost. There's so much in those games. The Battlefield, Battlefield yeah. had that shark. Yeah, the hatch. <clears throat> oh, yeah, the shark. Yeah, and of course, Call oh, yeah. of Duty Zombies just puts out an Easter egg by nature yeah. and like yeah. they have like a, a release sequence for them to be uncovered by the audience. They actually like mm-hmm. time it and everything. It's like, a, it's like a whole part of it. I mean, that's like a really cool culmination of Easter egg culture. And, and of course we can give uh, the briefest of history lessons about how Easter eggs were originally put in games to show people's initials uh, because they weren't allowed to put their initials in the manuals of the games. Mm-hmm. And the, the creators, example the developers. Is, uh, yeah, the developers. An example of that is adventure. Yeah. The last one I wanted to mention is one that I didn't realize. I, I never knew until just recently. Do you know the one, the password Easter egg for Mike Tyson's punch out? Yeah. If you put in, I, I wrote it down, 800-422-2602, it'll just play like a busy signal because that was the Nintendo's customer service oh, phone number back cool. in the day. Cool. That's so yeah. clever. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> Uh, okay, one more email before we get to 20 questions. This is Tyler from Wisconsin. This is longtime listener, first-time writer. Do you have any games that are your guilty pleasures? By this, I mean <laughs> games that are good, but the reviews don't necessarily reflect that in the same light. Also, if a game receives bad reviews, are you automatically not going to play it? Is it unfair that reviews can basically dictate whether or not a game will be a success or not? 
Mm. Uh, I, so guilty pleasure games. It's like Mark Medina, right? So like I play a ton of Anthem. I'm still playing Anthem. It's back there on my PS5 right now. What, uh, why is that a guilty of, pleasure though? Well, because I mean, no, just because I says like like you, it's it's a game that wasn't reviewed well, and yeah. to most people, Anthem is a is a completely dead game now that Anthem Next is canceled. Like the game will yeah. never get an update. It, it will eventually shut down, and that's why I'm replaying it. Is because eventually that game's just not going to exist. Uh, my most played game, PlayStation does those uh, those lookbacks to talk yeah. about hours played. Uh, for the past two years, my my most played game was Fallout seventy six. Uh, and uh, then, uh, yeah, <laughs> and, then <laughs> and then no man's sky is good now, but I played that game so much when it first came out I and it was you. considered it. not good when it first came out. Mm. As far as the reviews question, I, I don't think, I don't think reviews for a game dictated set. Like, I don't think I don't, is like, is that fair? I think reviews are answering whether or not a game is good or not. And that's what dictates the sales, not the review itself. I think it's the game itself that dictates those sales. Yes. Yeah. And I, I think there, we, there, we have data that proves that even bad reviews can help with game sales because it's all just increasing awareness. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, I, uh, first of all, Mario Party series. <laughs> uh, you know they're not great. They're not made for me, and they've always been fun, and I like them, and I like reviewing them too. I've done a bunch of those reviews. I really like those. Uh, but I was going to give a list of really bad NES games. I highly recommend playing with your friends because they're so bad, but they're very funny. And uh, that includes uh, Family Feud, Essential. Mm-hmm. It's it's asking you uh, you know questions about what was popular in 1988, which is just very difficult. <laughs> Yes. Like, like, you know, what, what do you, what do you have to get when you go to the supermarket checkout line? Like that answer is surprisingly not what you'd expect. <laughs> gum, gum is in there and then everything else is crazy old timey now, you know? Yeah. So there's stuff like that. Yeah, yeah exactly. Rice so, <laughs> yeah. And then there's like celebrity stuff, which is like, I don't know a single name in this list or musicians or whatever. Um, that's a good one. And then I really, I'll go th- faster through the rest of them. Uh, I really like uh, California games is really funny to play because it's really hard to figure out how to play it. A uh, TNC surf design. The game is just is like dripping with style and terrible and funny and you wipe out in it and it looks really funny. Um, those are games I love. Like you know, have a few beers, play these, play or or don't and play them with your friends because they're so bad. And then uh, I really like Wally Bear and the No Gang. That's a uh, anti drug game, uh, which you know is a serious message, but uh, is just executed in the worst style possible, but with a un- unplayable platformer that you can't beat the first level on, so you don't learn anything about the anti drug message. Um, let me see. There's got to be more, but I really, really like. Uh, just look at look at like the bottom of the barrel. Uh, 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 uh movie adaptation games on NES two. Your 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 predators, your terminators, Rambo. Try them out. Rambo, try them out. They're funny. They're really, really funny. And you can see the effort that was put into getting them out very quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, uh, go ahead. No, oh, you, go, you go first. In terms of guilty pleasure, it's like the actual honest answer to this question is like kind of trashy mobile games, um, hidden object games, paint mm-hmm. by number. I, I have oh, completed... Yeah. Many, many, many paint by number in uh, <laughs> puzzles on the iPad just because yeah. it's it's a super chill out, just like ultimate zone out and turn my brain off and see this really pretty picture get filled in. Um, I also 
I play a lot of like weird. Uh, it's weird because it's these two extremes. I play the most ultra casual grandma games, like uh, hidden object games, to unwind. But then, like really, really hardcore esoteric PC stuff. Like I, I was into a game like Factorio way before it broke through into the mainstream and before it was on Steam. Um, and I'm kind of trying to convince people around the office like a crazy mm. person, like, "Oh, this game's really cool. Check it out." And then, like. I always feel vindicated when, you know, it hits a major platform and then breaks through in a bigger way. Like I think Dwarf Fortress is going to be, you know, I've been a fan of that game for a decade and it's finally coming to steam. Um, but definitely weird, like weird, hardcore games, um, on PC, like weird simulation games are my jam for sure. That like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't describe them as a guilty pleasure, but like I, I am on both extremes of like the gaming spectrum in that way. And as for the question, if a game receives bad reviews, are you automatically not going to play it? I would say no, not automatically, although mm-hmm. it's not very often that a game gets bad reviews. And I'm like, I, I still want to play it. I would say it's much more common that a game gets good reviews, and I'm like, nah, I'm good. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And that brings us to Video Game 20 Questions. Our suggestion this week comes from Clark in Cleveland, Clarkland. And uh, he actually had a hard mode suggestion that we're going to ignore. His hard mode suggestion was any PS1 demo disc. Oh, Oh, that's good. (laughs) That would never never work out. So we're going to go with with his normal mode suggestion. And with that said, let the questioning begin. The demo disc thing is really... I'm still hung up on that. That's really interesting. Makes you wonder... Yeah, that's... I don't think we would ever. Yeah, we had, I would we always be thinking the about question, a game. Uh, we need to have a new starting question. Was which is uh, Damon? Is this some bullshit? <laughs> <laughs> is this yeah? Is this a bullshit game? No, <laughs> no. I didn't actually. Uh, okay. We'll yeah. Play. What? Uh, no, I didn't want to spend a question on that. Oh, that's right. If you were joking, if you were joking, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> that was okay. a free one. Well, because I knew this one wasn't going to be because you got rid of the the bullshit game from the start. Hmm. Okay. And I want to uh, point out that bullshit is an academic term and not a uh, swear word, so so I don't have to don't worry it. about it. Yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> does this game? Uh, I I didn't mute our producer laughing this time. Me neither. It's, it's given me a lot of confidence. So thank you. Yeah. Was, was, but the listeners can't ask, hear him. I think I it'd be cool know, to have. I know that it'd be cool to have the laugh track, but. I was going to ask halfway through. I was like, am I supposed to be able to hear John Borba? Because he makes me feel funnier than I actually am. So that's fine. I like it too. If nothing else, we made Borba laugh. It reminds me of, you know what it makes me think of? Remember the old Tom Green show on MTV? Was there just a single person laughing? Yeah, that's exactly. Yes. He had his his friend Phil. I don't know if he was a character, if he's a real guy. But he would sit like back off to the side and just laugh at all of his jokes. So on the late show now, which has really good intros, and I really like, I only started watching it during this horrible past year. Yeah, um, I know. But his his wife is on, and, and she laughs it, at his and jokes. she laughs off the corner, oh. and, it, and it's so good. It's really wholesome, and, and good. sometimes they interact, and it's great. That's Stephen Colbert. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah that's good. Oh. It's not the late show though; it's a late show. Yeah, that's right. I I, I started show. watching Stephen Colbert recently as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. what are we what are we doing right now? I lost we're gonna, the... we're gonna play twenty questions. Talk about our favorite game. late shows. <laughs> uh, also, Borba is a character. I just want to put that out. There. Uh, he's <laughs> is this, this from game... after two thousand? Yes. Yeah, okay. After yeah. two thousand, does this game have multiplayer? Mm, no. 
that after 2000 question is becoming more and more irrelevant. The older Sh- we should get. we ask if a single player? <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's a. Um, maybe, I can only think of one zero player game. <laughs> zero. Play- it's a movie. <laughs> yeah, the Ghost of Tsushima movie. Um, uh, is this on Switch? Yes. Ooh, is this made? Is this made in Japan? Yes. Is it three D uh, graphics? Yes, that's five. Is it? Should we ask if it's exclusive to Switch? Yeah, it's just on sure. Switch. Yeah, sure. Is it exclusive it. to Switch? Yes. Oh, okay. Is it okay. Published okay. by Nintendo. Yes. Oh, and it has three D right, graphics. Mm-hmm. Um, it's exclusive to Switch. Published by Nintendo. Made by Nint- published by Nintendo. Okay. Uh, it's uh, it's probably Arms. No, that's some bullshit. No, <laughs> <laughs> we've established that the bullshit on this. Uh, it, it, does this game is this game contain Mario characters in it? No. Uh, does this game feature characters that would be on the Smash roster? No. No. It's not Arms. Didn't a stretchy arm guy come <laughs> oh, to Smash? God. Yeah, probably. I don't think so. That was one of the DLC fighters, right? Or did I dream that? I don't know. I think I dreamed arms. I don't think that's a real game. Uh, (laughs) Is this game part of a part of a series? No, that's ten. So, Damon, you said no. They're not in Smash. I bet it's that jump rope game. Yeah, I bet it. But that would that would be some bullshit. (laughs) Jump rope game? Yeah, the free jump rope game that Nintendo released. Yeah, it's going to have to be something pretty new if it's not part of a series. And to not be in Smash Brothers, it's going to be after a smaller Maybe games. it's the I Ring sp- Fit game. But Snipper Clips has multiplayer, right? So it, it, no, no, it, Borba, you're right. It could be Ring Fit. Uh, no. Did you just call me Borba? <laughs> oh, yes. Oops. <laughs> Sorry. That's a bullshit. <laughs> one, in- time when I was, one time when I was in office, uh, you know, Seven years ago, uh, Lucy O'Brien walked up to me and she was like, "Hey, Borba," and I was like, "Oh my goodness, what?" I just <laughs> saw me. Yeah. Oh, what's that Look face? That what's that face? face. <laughs> any any attention is good attention yeah. these days. Yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, um, is this game? I, I, uh, I go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Um, did this game come out on a Nintendo Disc Little Cart? Did it come out on one of the cartridges? Yes. Okay, so not it's not the, not jump rope. It's a retail Man, game published by Nintendo. Okay, so ring fit game. could still be ring fit. Could be. Can't be arms. Nope. There's arms. There's a stretchy arm guy in Smash, right? Yeah. Also, and, and Xenoblade wait, has, has people in Smash, and, like a lot of. You them. said you said not multiplayer. Arms is multiplayer. Good yeah. Point. So. Yeah. Okay. Could be Ring Fit. Did, uh, Ring Ring Fit doesn't have any multiplayer. We have a lot of questions left, right, Damon? Yeah. We have nine left. Uh, did Eight this game? Have... Sorry. Did this game come out? Did it come with an accessory? Yes. Do you use this game to exercise? Yes. Has this game shined on the sode? You're yes. wasting questions here. Yeah. Come on. Remember, we have. We have stats. We have stats. Oh, yes. Okay, delete my last seven questions. We knew what it was. <laughs> is it Ring Fit? It is. Hey. Ring Fit Adventure. That's why I was a little worried when you brought yeah, it up earlier. you must have panicked earlier. Yeah, I was like, should I take a different one? No, we'll just go with it. Mm. Hey. Oh, that's fine. 
Glad good cue it. from John Borba, too. You got it right up there. Dude, yeah. Ring Fit's so good. I played a lot of Ring Fit, and my wife and my daughter played it even more than I did. It's so much better than it has any right to be. Um, it's fun. It's both a harder, more hardcore workout and a more hardcore video game than I was expecting. Like, mm-hmm. in the beginning, it's like this casual, you're jogging along, fighting things, but then you unlock like a skill tree and you level up, and then you unlock new skills and you level up your skills and you make smoothies, which are like potions, and like it's way more involved than I like expected it to be. It's awesome. Have <laughs> rings like broken and hurt people? Like when people would throw their Wiimotes? <laughs> yeah, I... like I'm pretty proud of Nintendo. If, if, if the case so far has been like there's been no ring related injuries, they finally figured it out. The... I, 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 when I first got it, just because it's like it's something new that it's like a lot of money, it's like 80 bucks. Yeah, I the squeezing one always yeah. kind of terrified me because I was like. What if I'm just so buff that I'm just going <laughs> to shatter this thing? Oh, I'm not. Well, just the, so the, everyone knows. The level of R&D in the Ring Fit and that Ring Con, you know, maybe I'm wrong, maybe they got it right on the first try. But like I imagine it went through many, many, many iterations because my 5-year-old can squeeze it enough to like, you know, she can squeeze it, oh. but then it's it's an enough for an adult too. Like you just squeeze it way more. It's like a resistance mm-hmm. band. And so Whoa. you kind of get out of it, what you put into it where you can squeeze it a little or a lot. And the, the magic I think is in the joy con being sensitive enough that it can pick up on either level of movement. Um, nope. I, I don't know. I, I, I love ring fit. And like, I kind of fell off of playing it. And I think often about like getting, getting back on that horse again. We, uh, it has this thing where you can set a timer and we haven't touched our ring fit in so long. But still to this day, if we're in the living room and that's where Amanda's switch lives, you'll just hear boom, 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 yeah. boom, boom. And I'm like, can we like stop with this thing? She's like, it's supposed to tell us to exercise. I'm like, I'm completely trained yeah. to just ignore this thing. I will never exercise to the sound of that thing. Ever again. It has an alarm. Like, do you want to be reminded to work out? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've tuned it out. Yeah. It's just become an alarm of shame in the Medina household now. <laughs> it's, just, it's just there to remind me that I'm halfway through another bag of chips and I should probably stand up yeah. and just ignore it. You got to gotta play some more Anthem. <laughs> Someone, <laughs> someone's got to. No, they don't. <laughs> Nobody's got to. Oh, that was the saddest revelation on this whole podcast or this whole show. <laughs> and that's all the scoops that we have for you this week. Mark, thanks for sitting in with us. Thank you, Mark. Justin's, Justin's going on spring break. Mm. We'll see him in a couple weeks. Uh, thank you uh, to Sam. Thank you, Justin. Cheers. Thank you, Mark. Thank you to Borba working behind the scenes. Remember, you can always reach us at the email address, gamescoop at IGN.com. My name is Damon, and this little one's name is Same. This is IGN Gamescoop, and we're out. Welcome.